0: Welcome to What in the World, a project initiated by Hungry for Life International. Today's podcast is titled Know Before You Go, and Jess will be interviewing Angela Gertzen. So grab your headphones, sit back, relax, and listen as they talk about things they have learned
1: from sending teams. Okay, hi, and welcome back to the Hungry for Life podcast. We are calling What in the World, all things related to global nonprofit um, today, we have Angela Gertsen. Hi, Ange. Hi, Jessica. And today's topic is Know Before You Go, a guide to sending short-term teams and the impact that they have. So I want to introduce you a little bit. I want our audience to get to know you. So mm-hmm. why don't you tell us a bit about your role here? How long you've been and what is your title? What do you do? Sure, thanks, Jess. It's great to be here. and.
0: S- just have a conversation with you about teams and work, and uh, so thank you for the opportunity. So who am I? How long have I been here? Well, I started working at Hungry for Life in 2004, full-time, but have been a part of the ministry since it started in 2003. Dave approached me in the summer of 2003 saying he was interested in starting Hungry for Life and uh, what I consider coming on staff, and I said, yes, yes. Took me a few months to get there, but I said yes. So, so you've been kind of a part
1: a... of the growth and development and evolution of Hungry for Life right from the get-go. Yes, I have. So you have a plethora of wisdom when it <laughs> comes to sending teams, which is a huge part of Hungry for Life. Obviously, not now, but um, question: How many teams since the beginning has Hungry for Life sent? Since the beginning to our
0: count, we've sent 281 teams over the last, we didn't send any teams obviously in 2003, but 2004 was our first year, we sent three teams, the year after was eight, and then after that it just grew exponentially. Mm-hmm. So the learning curve was steep, because basically Dave said to me, all right, Angie, you're going to develop our teams department, here you go, <laughs> get them to and from Canada safe and sound and get their training, and make it effective. No, so, it wasn't quite like that, but it was a little bit like that.
1: So backtracking a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you developed what we call today to be our Teams and Project Services. Mm-hmm. Um, well, walk us through what you've done since since the beginning. Like, did you always do that? Have you Has your role evolved? And how did you land in Teams and Projects? Yes. Well, have I always – when Hungry for Life first started, we really had
0: um, – project management and group engagement, and with group engagement, sh- sending short-term teams. And from the beginning, that's where my interest was, and so that's, that's what I did. And it only was within our local partnerships, um, helping them with sending their teams. But as we grew, and we were doing more assessment trips and trying to streamline and become better at our work, um, Dave and I were driving... I think up to Prince George one day and I said to him you know what do you think about like creating a teams and project service department where we have one department that oversees all of the people travel in the organization whether that be for our local partnerships that want to send teams our staff travel um, assessment trips all of that under the umbrella and then within that we also put out training materials um, team preparation materials staff preparation Sorry, budgets and staff preparation as well. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, that's a great idea. so I can't remember exactly what year that was, but that was the start of the official Teams and Project Services Department. I think around 2006 or 2000. Yeah, around 2006 was the start of that.
1: Okay, cool. So Mm -hmm. just to explain a bit to whoever is listening a bit of what Hungry for Life does is we engage groups or churches um, here in Canada – nationally um, and we partner them with organizations or what we call field partners overseas and we get them involved in long-term sustainable development projects and the goal is to get um, group engagement here for life impact here and life change over there and it's like this beautiful cycle that we keep going through. Um, Mm -hmm. so, So that's what Angela is talking about when she's saying that we send teams, like part of the project development um, is sending teams. And we can, we will explain a little bit more about that later on in the podcast. But, and what is the process of sending a team? What does it look like? Because in my mind, me and five five people, we wanna go on do some volunteerism. I just hit Expedia.ca, off we go. What is the process actually like? What do you do to send a team?
0: Well, going back to what you said, Jess, Hungry for Life isn't about just sending short-term teams. We're about long-term partnership connections that benefit both the local partners here who are engaged and our international partners um, by providing resources of sustainable growth and development, but also through building relationship um, leads to like spiritual development and life change and broadening world horizons and, and changing world views. And all of that happens through connection um, with our partners. And so short-term teams is a process within that partnership. It's not just what we stand. So if a group wants to be involved in international relief and development or compassionate work, part of that project includes sending a team because that's really where the direct engagement comes in. And so sometimes groups come to us just with the idea of wanting to send a team and we'll say to them, yeah, we'll love to help you with that. But that's just not what we're only about. Mm-hmm. And point them and help guide them through missional coaching and, and consulting um, to really find one project that resonates within their own community um, that they want to be a part of. And so the process of sending teams is Once a group is engaged or looking to get engaged in a long-term partnership, they would then put it out to their community, um, like an initial interest meeting type, where anybody interested in this project can come and find out about the trip, when it is, how much it would cost, what are the details of the very basics of what they would be doing and what to expect while in that country. From there, we have an application process. Um, Team members, Potential team members would fill out, send our applications back to us, we would build the group based on um, discernment from the our local partner leadership. So whether that's a community group, there's usually one driver behind um, getting that team together and out on the field. And so myself or a colleague of mine within Hungry for Life would work directly with that person. Mm-hmm. Once that team is, is together and set, then we offer a series of training meetings that we host for them. One of them is... Um, we call it like a first team meeting, and that's all about your partner, your project, where you're going, what to expect. Another meeting is all about the cultural context, the cu- where you're going, what you're doing, who you're working with, and, and what they're all about. And um, and then a couple of meetings in between there. So to help mm-hmm. really prepare and, mm-hmm. and set expectations of, of the people that are traveling mm-hmm. and uh, get them prepared so they can feel successful and be successful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I I really I want to emphasize what you mentioned before about it not being about going on a trip because right. that is not what we do right. at all. That's right. Um, we are all about long-term sustainable projects. And would it be safe to say that teams are essentially a byproduct of the entire thing? Like, like uh, teams, they help with engagement. They help with um, like heart change here. Mm-hmm. But they're not the they're not the one thing that we do. It's kind of just a byproduct of of the whole process.
0: Yeah, I would say instead of byproduct, catalyst is the word that comes to mind mm, good because one. it yes. acts as an avenue for that engagement, mm. um, for that experience of life change. You know, we did a survey last year with everybody that participated in short term teams, and of the results that came back, it was an amazing. Um, testimony to how people have really changed in their involvement in um, community work community service work with within where they live their giving to international compassion has increased Um, their worldview and just understanding of what poverty is has really changed like the, Catalyst is a
1: great word. Yeah, the yeah.
0: engagement of being involved and traveling and meeting people and building relationships is has been incredibly impacting for the people that have gone mm-hmm. in a positive way.
1: I feel like we should rename this podcast the Catalyst. <laughs> Semicolon. Short-term teams. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk more about that in a second. Sure. But logistically, mm-hmm. um, why? Why not just like a group of people go and do it themselves, you know, like Google somebody in Kenya who needs help and get in touch with them, book our own flights, like like in your experience, why shouldn't we do that? What are some of the pitfalls mm-hmm. that you could come across? Yeah. And then and then there's that's a couple a great, of follow-up questions. To that's
0: that. a great question, Jess. Really good. And off often Actually, I think with every group that I've ever worked with, they're like, why can't we just book our trip on Travelocity or Expedia? It's way cheaper. <laughs> yeah, one ticket might be cheaper, but you just have to be aware of like the hidden things. You have a group of 10 friends that are traveling with you. You might see one ticket for, the price, for a very good price and then it's sold out at that level you're trying to match up you can only book a certain amount at one time you're trying to match up all of these itineraries to to get to one city okay you get to that city but then what that's as far as your third party booking can take you what's going to happen once you land why to use professional um, help or even travel agents a they're experts in their fields so they know They know about the country that you're traveling to. They know about, like, hidden costs to be aware of. They know about um, visas and um, recommended vaccinations and just all of that health and safety and awareness that is so important for traveling to a country. And it's really easy maybe to go on your own and be okay. But when you're responsible for a group of people traveling with you, you have to make sure that they're going to be safe and well cared for and the logistics are in place and also to care for our field partners that are working with them
1: which leads me into my my next question actually Mm -hmm. is what is the disadvantage for our field partners if a trip is not thoroughly planned or accounted for financially yeah so
0: our field partners are working day in and day out tirelessly
1: and it's a lot of extra work for them to host a team Sorry, can I pause just for a second? I mm-hmm. want to establish what a field partner is oh, exactly. Oh, definitely, yes. Uh, field partners are not employed by Hungry for Life. They are people who we've partnered with, who we've established a relationship and trust with to carry out projects. Mm-hmm. Continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, thank you, Jess. They're people
0: that are already have ongoing compassionate work that they're doing, development could, yeah. in their own communities. Could be an
1: expat, could be a uh, local, a local yeah. yeah, or an organization. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Thank Sorry you. to interrupt. No, no, I'm great I'm glad okay. you did
0: that. Helps clarify terms. So, yeah, going back to your question, what the what the risk to our field partners are if a trip isn't planned properly. Well, A, they can take on a significant financial burden by hosting someone. You just think of when somebody comes to visit you in your own home. It's an added expense and an added cost. When they're already stretched so thin. We don't want to add to their burden. We want to support and increase their capacity, not take their take away from their capacity. So if a trip isn't planned right, that can take away from their capacity and take away from their ministry that they're doing. You know, they they take time out of their day to drive our teams around to um, wear and tear on their vehicles, gas mileage, um, extra food, hiring local translators or extra staff to come and help support that team to do the work that they're doing. All of those are things that need to be considered. And a lot of people don't consider when they're like, oh, we just want to go and do good. Right. So if it's not properly thought out or planned, those those things can be missed
1: and add a hardship to our partners. And that's where there's a, there's a huge misconception around short-term teams mm-hmm. with the whole blow in, blow up and blow out mentality. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. And that's why it's really, really important to know before you go, how is this trip going to affect where you're going? Are you actually helping? Is this a long term thought out plan or do you just want to feel good about yourself? Like there's so many factors to consider, right? Mm -hmm. So thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, Jess, because there is a lot of critique
0: out there um, about short-term teams and and, you know if you refer back to When Helping Hurts or some other articles when short-term teams aren't done properly yeah, they can do damage they can add to a feeling of western paternalism colonialism call it whatever you want Mm -hmm. over we're going to help the least of these or the poor among us it's the issue is so much deeper than that and so we have to really be careful not to just have our own western mindset of how we can how we how the world affects us to okay I'm going to go and I see this as a problem I'm going to go solve it but like consulting experts in the that department and in this case those are our field partners and so when planning a trip it's not okay I want to bring suitcases full of clothes and distribute them or or school supplies or whatever. Are those things taking away from the local market? Are they helping local business or hindering local business? And our partners can answer a lot of those questions. The important question to ask is not like, I want to do this, can we? Because often they're going to say yes. They want teams to come. They want engagement. And they're afraid sometimes that if they don't say yes, they're not going to get some of the resources that come with Teams Traveling. Mm -hmm. So a better question to ask is, how can we help you? How can we support your ministry? How can we make this a really great partnership? And go at
1: planning a trip from that angle. So would you say sometimes not going is better than going? I know it's controversial. but (laughs) Very controversial. I think, I don't
0: know if that is the question to ask. People have People give when their hearts are engaged, and you engage through relationship. You get to know things through relationship, and if you don't have that personal interaction, you're not going to have a relationship. You're not going to become, quote-unquote, attached to whatever is going on there, and so that that introduction, that building of relationship, that change can really... Engage somebody in wanting to give and be a part of that ministry. If you're looking at it from a purely financial perspective, oh, it costs this much money to send a team. Really, how much work are they doing? And it's not a complete picture to look at why to send a short-term team. You, it's so much more than that. You know, f- during this COVID year when we haven't had any teams traveling, our field partners have really felt very isolated, um, it's been a struggle for them because they are working so often in their ministries alone. When teams come, it really encourages them and gives them a lift and a boister to like, yeah, we can keep doing this. We've had encouragement. We've had like people that have poured into us and encouraged us as people doing like on the field work. And so so that's been missing and that's been been hard for them. And then also the financial aspect is a huge part of it as well is, you know, when teams come, they do fundraising, they do leadership training. It's not just about, you know, painting the classroom anymore. That's mm-hmm. that's an archaic way of planning to do teams. Mm-hmm. It's more, how can we come alongside you and support you in what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Whether that is through teaching and training, just these are the skills that I have
1: coming with me. How can they best be used to elevate your ministry or your work. Well, and I can think of a bunch of examples just off the top of my head Mm -hmm. of people who have engaged here for the first trip ever and 10 years ago and are still are still doing it. We can think of Nate. I think we're probably thinking of the same name right now. Yeah. Um, And that person who is now heavily involved in Haiti and like had they not gone, I don't know if that heart would have been there. And even even for me getting involved in in missions work to start it all started with my very first trip. Yeah, me too. And yeah, okay, mom and dad sent me on a missions trip during high school just to get rid of me. Mm-hmm. But it was so life-changing and now like like the outpouring is exponential. Like you can't yeah. really put you can't put a value on that. Right. Um I'm not saying me in particular. I'm saying we have countless stories of teams going over and over and over again because they want to continue to invest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of it comes back to
0: a, a motivation of why. Why are you going? Are you going um, to solve problems and make yourself feel good? Which is not. That byproduct of feeling good about giving isn't a bad thing. I Like I said earlier, the statistics from our survey of people that have impacted their own communities because their worldview has changed by going on a trip is amazing. And I would never take that back. Um, I'm trying to remember where I was going with this, but Mm -hmm. just, yeah, being culturally aware Mm -hmm. and intelligent about the community that you're traveling to and the cultural context that you're working in. We, um, part of our training that we do that I have helped build and really um, encourage all travelers to do is just learn about different cultural dimensions. There's Gert Hofstede. You can go to his website and look at different cultural dimensions and cultural contexts and learn about, like, power differentials, long-term planning versus Im- immediate lift for the day, um, gender differences. There's another book by uh, Sarah Lanier called Foreign to Familiar – And she talks about hot culture versus cold culture. So ours in North America is a cold culture. We're very individual-oriented, task-oriented, doing-oriented, where hot culture, which is about two-thirds of the world, is very group-oriented. Everything affects the group. Um, Very relationship-oriented. So it's about the relationship first, not about the task. Mm -hmm. And as North Americans, we have to be very careful that we don't put too much weight on the task that's being done, but value the cultural context of where we're working and what we're doing and what are those norms and values that need to be upheld.
1: You just answered my next two questions oh. <laughs> without even knowing it, which were um, what, what advice would you give so that a team has the biggest impact mm-hmm. and the least disruption to our field partners mm-hmm. or to anyone overseas? Um, and practically speaking, what is a common oversight that you've seen in teams and how, what's a, what's a good example to overcome that. But you kind of just answered that is like being culturally aware planning before you go spend time, like learning, listening, mm-hmm. not going in with this idea of productivity always. And first, Yeah, because exactly. that's a huge misconception for a lot of countries that yeah. that's what they value most. And the North American way is better, right? Like it's... Yeah. yeah.
0: And advice I would give people traveling, whether for compassionate purposes or even tourism purposes, is just get to know a little bit about where you're going. You know, history and significant events that have happened in those countries makes up the fabric of who they are and who the people are, their language. And if you get to know a bit of their history, you have so much more understanding of why why things happen the way they do, why behaviors are the way that they are. And it can really bring a huge value to the whole experience of being a part of that trip and that traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
1: And just to touch on, on all of that, mm-hmm. like for what Hungry for Life does for teams yeah. is we, you. <laughs> <laughs> we. I have an amazing <laughs> team that I work with the tps teams and project services people the lovely ladies we call tps department uh, always put together a folder of information for every team member that goes on like cultural orientation um, any relevant travel information that you need to know what kind of visas or insurance you're going to need any kind of vaccinations Mm -hmm. what you're up against and like it is just so beneficial to have that information before you go. People, people love their folders. <laughs> yes, they, they do. Get. They um, definitely
0: do, if they read them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that seems like so long ago that we sent any folders out. Yes. One day again. Yeah. But yeah. It'll all be digital at that point. Yes. No, no more folders. Well,
0: probably, actually. Yeah. But yeah, going back to your question, um, like practically speaking, what are some common oversights? A lot of feedback that I get, because I we do follow-up um, feed, feedback forms for all of our team members traveling, mm-hmm. and a lot of the, almost every team, or every team for sure, and most of the members say, I didn't know what to expect, but this isn't what I expected. And <laughs> to be honest and very frank, it's a little bit frustrating because we do put a lot of work into those preparation materials and it's all there for team members that are traveling. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, again, it's going back to that, go with an open mind as a learner. Mm -hmm. And and, and the attitude of like, how can I help and support? Not what do I want to get out of this experience? Because if we go with the attitude of a learner and how can I help and support, it's going to take away that need for having to do, do, do. And, and even that view that our neighbors from the South have of us as North American Westerners that we don't value relationship, that it's all about getting a task done, mm-hmm. and that we um, are kind of critical of, of the hot cultural context, um, it just tears down a lot of those barriers and really allows relationships to grow and flourish. And be beneficial for the long term on both sides of the equation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super valuable and helpful information. I'm sure for a lot of people who, who just want to know about short-term teams and how it works and why we do it and all that kind of stuff. So thank you for joining. Thank you, Jess, for and for me. imparting your knowledge and wisdom. Um, if if anyone wants to know more about any of the projects that we're currently doing we're still doing a lot even though we're not sending teams like our field partners that we're doing virtual connects between our groups and our partners uh, because they they want to hear from us and they feel isolated so if you want to know what's happening uh, you can go to our website and which is hungryforlife.org and there's international partnerships all of our field partners are there we update them regularly if you want to know more about sending teams uh, feel free to reach out I believe uh, there's a chat button on the website or just info at hungryforlife.org because when those borders open up we be gone (laughs) so true and so we are ready we are so ready and we're going to have all the update up-to-date information and if you want to know just reach out thanks for tuning in and that is a wrap thanks for listening to what in the
0: world where we seek to educate and inspire Here at Hungry for Life, we are passionate about your group having a global impact and eradicating needless suffering. For more information, head over to our website at hungryforlife.org. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and wherever you may listen to podcasts. Tune in every other week for another conversation about what is happening at Hungry for Life.